Hi, I'm David Massover. Welcome to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast, where I'll be interviewing senior sales leaders, sales experts, and sales service providers about what else, what it takes to drive B2B sales revenue. So thanks for being here. Let's get started. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm David Massover. I'll be your host today, and this is the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast. Today, we've got a really great guest. We're talking to Jennifer Hassan with Prospecting Works. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. We're really happy to have you. Now, as you may or may not know, we have a traditional opening question for the podcast, and that's this. What is the single best piece of sales advice that you've ever heard? I'd never give up. Never give up. That's it. Just boom, we're done. Never give up. That's it. You know, it's showing up every day. And most people don't show up every day. They show up once or twice or three times, but they don't consistently show up. There's a lot to be said for, you know, you're going to get better if you keep taking swings at the ball. If you don't take swings at the ball and just keep reading about it and thinking about it, it's just not going to happen. Right. Right. Absolutely. I love it. That's the best advice I got every single I've been asking this question for a while. That's the shortest answer I've ever received. And I think it might just be one of my favorites. So, so thanks for that. But you know, there's a lot of bad advice out there too. What's, what's some of the worst advice you ever heard about sales? Don't cold call. <laughs> cold calling is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's a great segue into, into what I wanted to speak with you about today because you and I connected professionally the way that I connect with, with most people professionally, which is around sales issues and sales questions. And and your approach to helping people to be more effective at cold calling and cold outreach really jumped out at me as unique and valuable. And, and I'd like to dig into that with you a bit today. And I want to start with something I know that you're, you're very passionate about, which is helping people with call reluctance. Is that a really big problem? That is a huge problem. Um, Value Selling came out with a study a couple of years ago that said 50% of salespeople are terrified to pick up the phone, which is shocking to me because how did these salespeople get into sales (laughs) without knowing how to do this or being terrified of it? But yes, it is huge, huge. Part of the problem is you need to get on the phone to do your job. The other part of the problem is if you're terrified about this big part of your job, that's got to be very taxing psychologically. Yes, because people try very hard to work around not having to call. So they'll be going to a lot of networking functions and they're online and they're doing all of these things when it's really just so much easier to pick up the phone and have a conversation. So by avoiding it, they're causing themselves a lot more work. And then if it's an expectation that their employers have, well, then they have to hide the fact that they're not making so many calls a day. But it's a shame because it need not be something that anyone fears. You're picking up the phone and having a conversation. And one of my clients, before he he set out on his first calls, he called me and he's like, just promise me nobody's going to die. Because that was the level of fear that was in him. And even though he knew it wasn't, it was ridiculous, that was what his body was feeling. And I said, you have every right to hang up the phone. If this call goes south, you hang up the phone. Remember, you're calling somebody who's probably a hundred, maybe a thousand miles away from you. Your life is not in danger. It's a phone call. This is the level of fear that surrounds this for a lot of people. It is. It is. And I and part of why cold calling is difficult to learn is well, you're doing something that 
you've never done before because there's nothing in life that prepares us to cold call. There's nothing. You bring no experience. I mean, none. And you have to do it in public. Whatever mistakes you make are going to be on a cold call when somebody else is on the other end. So it's very public. So people spend a lot of time trying to prepare and prepare and prepare. But the only way you learn how to do this is to do it and to make lots of mistakes. And so when teaching somebody how to cold call, you have to support them through three months worth of calls. Because I promise you, when you get to the other end, cold calling is fun and it's rewarding and it's profitable. But getting there is a lot of work, a lot of emotional, there's a lot of emotional baggage that we bring to it. And one of that is our body, when we are facing something that we've never done before, part of our chicken brain will say, you're in danger. Well, we're not in danger. So you have to train that part of your brain to relax and be like, no, I'm, I'm safe. I, I can do this. And all of that eventually goes away. But a lot of people don't stick with it long enough for it to go away. It's a really interesting idea, this connection between body. You're making me remember back to the early 1990s, which was an awfully long time ago, but that's when I was started to cold call for the first time. And I remember I would have like my, my throat would physically seize up during my attempts. It didn't stop me. I kept going. I kept muscling through it. I became good at it over time. But, but just hearing you say that now brings me back to that time and it wasn't something I could cover up. The person on the other end of the phone certainly heard that. I felt it. It was very physical, very visceral, very oh. real. Oh, absolutely. Some people, their bodies will make them so physically uncomfortable that they have to get up and walk away from their desk because it's so terrifying. But that part of our brain kept us alive when we were around dinosaurs. But we're not around dinosaurs anymore. And there's nothing dangerous. Your life is not in danger. The phone nothing can hurt you. But cold calling is full of triggers from lots of places. And this is one of them is understanding that your body's reaction to this is not rational. And you've got to train your brain to realize that what you're doing is safe. Well, that brings up a really interesting point because I've, I've heard you talk about the idea that traditional cold call training actually contributes to the call reluctance problem for many people. Can you explain what that's all about? Well, sales trainers tend to, when they sell their services, they tend to position it as, it's really hard, but I have the solution. I have, it's like the secret sauce. And so people out there who are, who are thinking about learning how to cold call or knowing that they want to or you know, need to cold call, but they're so intimidated because all of the trainers out there in the world make it sound really intimidating and really difficult. And so they often come, you know, the trainers will have contributed to cold calling's bad reputation where there are no secrets. Stop selling secrets. There are no secrets. This is, there's a way to do it so that it is profitable and rewarding and fun. The problem is most people don't do it that way. They're calling way too many people and they're saying something very generic, which doesn't resonate with anyone. So that's when the individual is annoying. Of course, you're going to get hung up on. You're calling people that you have no business calling. But when you narrow your net, right, when you call a highly targeted list and you can pinpoint the pain point that your prospect's 
that you could solve for your prospects and you say it in a really clear, concise and compelling way and have a great delivery, your voice is 80% of this. It's not even the words you use. It's if you sound professional and confident and friendly and a little enthusiastic, your messaging can be off, but you're still going to schedule a lot of appointments, but nobody does that. (laughs) They're calling tens of thousands of people. And that's when they'll say, oh, cold calling doesn't work. Oh, this doesn't work. I can't do this. This is terrible. And then they give up. There's a lot to unpack from what you just said. The first thing that jumps out at me is is something that I face a lot in, in my work as a sales coach and a sales consultant is there's a lot of people that are looking for for the magic words and the and the super ninja tricks. And I think a lot of sales training doesn't help to dispel the myth that while, yeah, the words you say are absolutely important, there is no question about that, but that's not the whole package. That's something that you're seeing as well. Oh, yeah. So there are studies, you know, when we communicate, that we communicate more with our body language and our facial expressions and our tone of voice than the actual words that we use. And on the telephone, well, you don't have facial expressions or body language. So all you really have is your voice. And I tell people that that telephone voice that we all have to find, because it's not the voice that we normally communicate with, because we have to infuse our voice with a level of enthusiasm that we just don't talk normally with. But that translates over the phone to somebody who sounds lovely and wonderful and somebody who you would have no problem inviting into your office pre-COVID or having a conversation. And what I find is that women are so good at this. We can be professional and confident and enthusiastic. Where men kind of struggle because they come to business from a different place. It's more intimidation. It's more aggression. It's being the smartest person in the room. And you're never going to bully your way into an appointment. So I tell people when we're working on delivery, because I spend a lot of time on delivery, which most trainers don't, is, you know, pretend you're at a circus and just give me your delivery, deliver your introduction. So over the top, it's crazy. Like, just be ridiculous about it. And they'll try and it's perfect. And I'll say, that's the energy that you need to bring to this to be really good at it. And so cold call with your door closed. You don't have to do it in front of people. You know, if you're self-conscious, fine. You you don't do it by yourself. I do it. I do it by myself. I don't cold call in front of people. Yeah, that was one of my big hangups when I was cold calling is is I was in an open office and I was unsure of what I was doing. So not only did I have the audience that was on the other end of the phone, but there were all these people around that I had to see every time I got up to go get a cup of coffee or, or, or whatever. It really added to the intimidation. Yeah. Oh, it does. It does. And there are, I've worked with a lot of owners and sales managers who hover over their salespeople as they're making calls and they think they're helping because they're like, oh, say this, say that. Oh, no, well, what you do, do this, right? And I was like, you're making it worse. Just let Much them worse. figure it out. Put them in a conference room, close the door, let them figure it out. They'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. You can always record the calls and go over it later, but don't hover. I know that for me, especially when I was learning, it was really important for me to try to really be present with the call. That is huge. That is a huge part when we don't give each other our undivided attention enough. And when you reach a point where you can give that individual, that prospect on the phone, your undivided attention and be right there every minute, 
that's going to set you apart from a lot of people who are calling because a lot of people who are calling aren't that way. So, and you sound just more authentic and genuine. And that too, being authentic and genuine sounding will set you apart. And is why I think a lot of times when, and I do still call for select clients is I'm immediately put in the consulting category. I'm not a salesperson or a cold caller. I'm a consultant and they thank me for calling. They thank me for thinking of them. They really appreciate that I reached out to them. And, and I just, and I just tell as many people as I can. I'm like, look, when you're really, when you get really good at this, this is how you're treated. You're not hung up on, there isn't a ton of rejection in this. So keep going, keep practicing. You'll get better and better and better. Stay with it. And this reflects something else you said a couple of minutes ago, which is this idea that in so many environments, salespeople, a full cycle or SDRs are asked to do a lot of cold calls to set appointments and get, get the conversation started with the prospect. And there's this, this terrible dynamic that because it's not effective, because the conversion ratios are low, the answer in many organizations seems to be do more of it. But what you seem to be saying, and boy, this sure makes a lot of sense to me, given my experience, what you seem to be saying is that's exactly the wrong thing to do. Because if you're doing more of it, you're not going to be present. You're not going to be focused. You're not going to be targeting the right people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it it sounds to me like what you're saying is cold calling in general is broken in a whole lot of different ways. Oh, it's broken on the side of the people who are making the calls because they're calling way too many people. Cold calling is really rewarding when you're scheduling appointments. And if you call a highly targeted list of a tiny group of people and you're able to communicate that pain point, then you're going to resonate with those people and you're going to be scheduling far more appointments than what the publicized ratios will say that it's really only only 2 to 3% effective. Well, it's only 2 to 3% effective if you're calling mass numbers of people and not saying the appropriate thing. But nobody measures, you know, the the folks like me who are calling a small group of people and are, are really targeting and using it as strategic communication. The data set isn't big enough to make it valid, so don't tell me how good the quality is. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But then on the other side, we have a lot of bad behavior on the prospect side because prospects have turned their lovely executive assistants into these the enemy gatekeeper. And they are part of the problem. You know, they're getting bombarded by calls because they don't take calls. So if I could call and schedule a 10-minute appointment with somebody, I'm not calling second, third, fourth time. And the gatekeepers need not be the enemy. And we shouldn't, nobody should be trying to figure out a way to trick them into transferring them to their boss. So there's a lot of bad behavior on the prospects end side that they don't realize that they're contributing to the problem. I'm not sure how we can change the prospects, but there are an awful lot of salespeople that do run into, you know, the dreaded gatekeeper, right? Even the name is horrible, right? So what can salespeople do when they run into someone who is the assistant or the secretary or the receptionist or whoever it is that's taking calls and deciding who to put onto the calendar and who not to? Right. So before I answer that question, I want to go back to you. We can influence the prospects. And what I would recommend people do is they make a commitment to come into the office an hour early, two days a month. 
And when a salesperson calls, the executive assistant says, you can have 10 minutes of his or her uninterrupted attention, uninterrupted time, 10 minutes on Wednesday morning between 8 and 8.10. Do you want it? And everyone is going to say yes. So in that hour, that individual can talk to six people. So you're calling, you're scheduling a 10-minute conversation, you're done. The gatekeeper is now the hero because she's scheduling all these appointments. And then all the individual has to do, the decision maker, is just come in two out, an hour early twice a month and have 12 conversations. And that individual will be shocked at how much value those calls provide because the people that are calling him are experts in their field. If they're not out there networking, well, taking a, an appointment is a networking opportunity. You can learn so much about your competitors and industry knowledge, right? By talking to salespeople who are in that industry. So I wrote an article about like the, you know, the, the eight reasons or the 10 reasons why decision makers should be taking our calls. But we've had so much bad behavior on the side of the people that are calling. It's hard to get them. There's a lot of noise out there. Yeah, there is. But what I tell people when I'm teaching them how to how to cold call is be honest. Don't do anything. Don't misrepresent yourself. Don't try to sound like the decision maker's best friend and you're just going to get transferred through. Because worst case scenario is you're going to get that executive assistant in trouble because they have been given... Their boss has told them, screen all my calls. So when you trick that person into transferring that call and the decision maker picks up the phone and realizes that the call really wasn't screened, well, you're getting that person potentially in a lot of trouble. So don't get that person in trouble. Just be honest, straightforward, say who you are, why you're calling. And it may take a little longer. Perhaps a better route would be that you call a little bit before work or after hours or maybe at lunch where the executive assistant isn't there to screen the calls or maybe somehow like getting transfers from, from another extension in the, in the company that may end up going directly to that person. But yeah, no trickery. Don't misrepresent yourself. Don't lie. Don't try to go around them because that's just, I wouldn't want somebody to do that to me. So I won't do that to somebody. Yeah, you hear all kinds of crazy tricks, right? You know, oh yeah, we're going golfing. I got to change the tea time with them. You know, you let them through and then they're trying to sell, you know, janitorial services or something. So assuming that our prospect is not enlightened enough to have a block of time to receive cold calls, and there is some kind of a, of a person screening calls, what are some best practices that people can do to help make them more successful? So I say always, leave, always try to leave a voicemail. Because if you have a great delivery, if you sound wonderful, you're going to leave great voicemails. And those voicemails are going to get listened to. So I've heard of stories where some salespeople don't actually want to get into a conversation. They would rather have the decision maker listen to the voicemail because they get, you can talk a little bit longer in it. But I say great voicemails work very, very hard for you. And unfortunately, we just can't see the work. But when you follow up with an email, and I look at emails as just a mechanism for the prospect to get back to you easily, because it's so much easier to hit reply than it is to take a phone number down and return a call. Those voicemails, they do a lot of work for you. And I remember when I was uh, the director of business development for a marketing consulting firm, I was awarded, I don't know, a $300,000 website design project. And this was back in the 90s. 
it didn't go out to bid. She just called and said, you left such nice voicemails that I knew as soon as the project got approved that you were the one I wanted to work for. That was it. That was it. It was just voicemails. So voicemails are a pretty controversial topic. A lot of salespeople think they're a complete waste of time because they never hear back. Some of the best advice comes in in the form of what people refer to as combo prospecting. So voicemails in conjunction with emails. It sounds like that's that's something that you also believe is, is a good strategy. Yes. You call, you leave a voicemail and you immediately follow up with an email. And in the email, you may be able, you may want to provide maybe a little bit more information that you wouldn't leave in a voicemail. But to me, I always look at it as a mechanism for them to get back to you is in the easiest way possible. And I get a lot of responses back. So I think like a great, a great voice, a great delivery, those voicemails will get listened to and you can prompt a reply. So if I reflect back on our conversation so far, it's, it's this really interesting combination of technique plus mindset kind of philosophy, attitude. Is there a particular attitude or philosophy that you can articulate that, yeah. that people should embrace when they're tasked with, with this kind of work? Yes. So what I tell people is you have to call with authenticity. You have to believe in what you're calling about because if you don't believe it, the other person, the person on the other end of the line is going to hear it. And then you have to be calling with integrity. You have to be calling the right people. You have to do your homework. And you have to say the right thing. And you need to be calling from a position of wanting to help, not wanting to sell. And that puts you in a different place where it's not about a deal. It's not about a quota. It's not about, I got to get my calls in. It's, I believe so much in the company that I work for, that I am calling the people to the best of my ability that I know I can really, really help because I want to help. I want to help them. When you come to it from that point of view, I think it's it's easier because we all like to help people. We all want to help people, right? So I think it makes the call a little less daunting. I love that. Now you put together a pretty innovative and, and inspirational flip book that's available on Amazon to help people with this, this outbound mindset. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and, and, and why yeah. it helps? So in working with my clients, I always start with mindset, which is something that a lot of other people don't do. And to me, it's insane. What somebody is bringing to the table impacts what then happens. So you can give them a great script, you can give them the technology, you can give them all the training. But if what is going, if what they're thinking and what they're bringing to the table is wrong, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to be successful. So I would always write it always seemed to be like the 50 same affirmations that I would give my clients. And eventually I was just like, you know what? I just need to put this in the book. <laughs> and one of the things I say to my clients is you got this. I promise you got this. You can do this. I promise you. So that's the name of the book. You got this. I promise. And it's a set of 50 affirmations for cold callers. And it's things like, I'm not interrupting anybody. I'm calling a business to discuss business during business hours. I'm allowed to do this. This is okay. It's okay that I don't know everything. It's okay if I make mistakes. People really love to hear my voice. People take my calls and they thank me. You know, so it's all these like 50 affirmations that you know, like I, I gave to everybody that I put in a flipbook and I hope that other cold callers find it and, and find it valuable because really life is about mindset. It really is. 
it's something to, to help people when they take that deep breath before they dial the phone and remind themselves, you know, this is a good thing that I'm doing yes. and I'm going to do it well. Yes, yes, yes. It gets them into the right headspace, I think. I think that this has been a fantastic episode. I don't know that I hear people going this deeply into cold calling from this kind of a direction. It's been fantastically valuable, but it feels to me like you've just got so much to offer. If, if you could put yourself into my shoes and, and ask yourself something that I forgot to about this topic, what would that be? Not to believe what is out there in the universe about cold calling. I just want people to know that it's not what you think it is. And you're, you've absorbed all sorts of rules from your childhood and, and cognitive distortions. And then just what you're hearing from your peers, that it's not right. It's not accurate. People like to receive cold calls if you're calling the right people. And so I just wish that, that it didn't have such a bad reputation. And if I could, I, I, and I would love to rebrand cold calling. So if anybody has any ideas on how to do that, they should contact me because it really is. A, a wonderful, it gives you total control over your sales pipeline. It gives you consistent revenue. Um, it ends the feast and fail. I mean, there's so many wonderful things about it that I just wish it didn't have such a bad reputation because it's undeserved. So to help Jennifer with her, with her cold calling, rebranding effort or anything else that somebody wants to reach out to you about, where's the best place to find you and what's the best place, uh, best way to oh. reach you? I have a website, prospecting-works.com. I'm on LinkedIn, Jennifer Hassan. I encourage people to call me and I tell them it will be the best cold call they've ever made <laughs> <laughs> because I always pick up the phone and I'm always nice to whoever calls. And I actually encourage everyone, start taking these calls. Pick up the phone. Every single time you get a cold call, you should pick up the phone. And I think you'll be surprised at who's on the other end. That's great. Well, I will put all of your contact information, maybe even your phone number into the episode notes. I will give it. <laughs> all right. So we're going to do that. So look for the phone number, give Jennifer a call and, and let her know your idea for how to change the name of cold calling to, I don't know, warm, fuzzy calls. I don't know. Maybe we can do better than that, but something, somebody, please help, help come up with an idea. We'll see what we can do. Jennifer, this has been a really, really terrific episode. Thank you so much for, for sharing your time and your expertise with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about cold calling in a new way. Thank you. You've been listening to the Driving B2B Sales Revenue Podcast with your host, me, David Massover. If you'd like to learn more about how I can help you and your sales organization accelerate growth, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me at davidmassover.com or find me on LinkedIn. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast to be the first to know about new episodes. And thanks for listening. Now, let's go drive some B2B sales revenue.